Hey friends, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. This episode is sponsored by Chewy Health and Hills, and for it, I was joined by Dr. Amy Pike to discuss a topic that I find fascinating, and that is the influence of nutrition on behavior. Personally, I find the data regarding the brain-gut connection and the influence of the microbiome in humans fascinating, so I jumped at the idea to learn more about this topic in my own patients. I could have happily talked to Dr. Pike about all of this and asked all of my burning questions for probably another several hours. If you find yourself in the same boat and you want to know more, be sure to check out Dr. Pike's webinar on the same topic coming out on Vetfolio later this month. Dr. Pike is originally from Arizona and graduated from Colorado State University's School of Veterinary Medicine in 2003. Working as an Army veterinarian after graduation and taking care of the military working dogs returning from deployment spurred her interest in behavior medicine. Dr. Pike completed a residency program and became board certified in 2015. She's the owner of the Animal Behavior Wellness Center in Fairfax, Virginia, and was named one of the top veterinarians of Northern Virginia by Nova Magazine for the sixth year in a row. Dr. Pike speaks all over the world about veterinary behavior medicine. She's been published in numerous veterinary journals and has conducted and published two scientific research studies and is a contributing author in five clinical textbooks. She mentors four clinical behavior residents and is a clinical instructor for e-training for dogs and the master's program in applied animal behavior at Virginia Tech. She's an advisory board member for Royal Canin, Fear Free, and the Animal Welfare League of Arlington, Virginia, and is a consultant for Chewy. In her fairly non-existent free time, she enjoys gardening, hanging out with her active duty army husband of 20 years, their 14-year-old daughter and nine-year-old son, and their menagerie. Dr. Pike, so happy to have you on. Let's go ahead and get into our talk. All right, today I am joined by Dr. Amy Pike for a podcast episode that I have been greatly anticipating. I'm so excited to dive into this topic because we're talking about the effect of nutrition on behavior. So Dr. Pike, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So excited to have you. And like I said, we're talking about nutrition with respect to behavior. And nutrition isn't necessarily something we would always think about when it comes to behavioral concerns. But as we're starting to learn from our human counterparts, the two are actually quite interrelated, it seems. So can you tell us more about the brain-gut connection and what we know about it so far, maybe in humans, but also in, in our veterinary patients? Yeah, this is a really hot topic um, that did kind of stem from human side of things. And, and I think if we kind of think about it logically, many of us understand that the gut and the brain are very intimately connected. Because if you think back to, you know, veterinary school or that time you had to take your NAVLI, like what are the first symptoms of your anxiety was those butterflies in your tummy, right? And so we know that the gut and our brain are very intimately connected in that respect. So all those dogs that come in for boarding and get stress-induced colitis, you know, while they're with us or refuse to eat because of their stress. But also the other way around, the gut actually can exacerbate anxiety as well. So if you're not feeling well, your tummy's hurting, you have inflammatory bowel syndrome or just chronic diarrhea from, you know, bacterial overgrowth, then you can be more anxious because you're much more irritable. So it's really, really goes both ways. And we need to set these patients up for success by treating both parts of the body. 
I was going to say the first symptoms of my anxiety when I had to take the Navli was my craving for nachos, but I think that's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I was I wouldn't say nachos more so than maybe like a margarita plus the nachos. <laughs> uh, bo- uh, yeah, both exactly. Like they they go hand in hand. They're synergistic. True. True. <laughs> uh, So one of the things we talk about in order to have a healthy gut is feeding an appropriate diet. But I know for me, sometimes, you know, that that can almost be like a little bit of a cop out on my end of going like feed an appropriate diet. What are we talking about when we say an appropriate diet? What actually constitutes that appropriate diet? Yeah, I think you're like many veterinarians where when you sort of get the nutrition question from clients, we sort of, you know, do the peak and shriek and we don't really want to touch it with yeah. a 10 foot pole, right? Um, it Behavior and nutrition, I think are probably some of the most controversial topics that we discuss as veterinarians, but definitely nutrition and good nutrition can play a key role in setting a patient up for appropriate development behaviorally. So this is our puppies and our kittens. They need appropriate nutrient content in order to have appropriate brain development. And there's a lot of research out there that shows lack of nutrition, whether it be from the mom or puppies or the kittens can actually lead to behavioral concerns later on in life. So, you know, we all know now about we want a grain containing diet, right? And how that plays a role in behavior is that that also sets the diet up for an appropriate protein percentage because too high a protein can actually exacerbate behavioral uh, issues. And of course, we know we want it to be AFCO certified. But another interesting study that came out was actually looking at senior dogs and the development of dementia. But what they found was that dogs fed one of the top brands. So these are our veterinary recommended lines of Hills, Royal Canin, Purina. Those, those pets actually didn't develop dementia as quickly as their non um I guess, nutrition, uh, nutrient laden counterparts. And um, they also had more severe disease processes. So it's really important to set our patients up for success from the moment that they walk in the door as a puppy or kitten. And nowadays too, think about how many products we have out there on the market, nutrition wise, to actually treat behavioral disorders. There's so many options out there where nutrition can play a key role. Absolutely. And I just want to make sure I heard you correctly that you said actually feeding too high of a protein can set them up for behavioral issues down the road. Yeah, absolutely. So when we take nutrients from our diets, we know we take all these amino acids, right? And produce other things within the body. And we take tryptophan and make serotonin, which is that coping neurotransmitter that most of our psychotropic drugs are trying to target. And unfortunately, tryptophan is sort of low man on the ladder when it comes to protein absorption. And so if you have too many of these other dietary proteins that you have to preferentially absorb first, our protein transporters are going to be saturated. And that patient or that person may not actually be absorbing the precursors that they need to make their own serotonin. Oh, my goodness. Like, I'm thinking of so many conversations about, you know, what are they eating? And, oh, it's, you know, the highest protein because they're active and and all of this stuff. And I knew this. I knew this talk was going to blow my mind. And (laughs) here we are. Love it. Uh, let's keep going because this is uh, this. I'm already so interested in everything that you're saying here. Let's talk about the microbiome. That's kind of another buzzword we hear. What exactly is the microbiome, and why is it important? 
Yeah. So the microbiome is essentially just all those gut bacteria that we have growing normally and naturally. And there's hundreds of different types of bacteria in our gut. And I just read something in humans. It's one to two pounds of bacteria live in our gut. So, you know, hopefully I have more. That's why I weigh more. But that being (laughs) said, (laughs) that that microbiome is really important for gut health. So it is going to, you know, make sure that we the animal stays healthy, absorbs all those appropriate nutrients, but it also regulates part of our immune system. And so it can help with autoimmune disorders. It can, you know, it can help with dermatologic disorders. It's just, it's really, really important to the rest of our body. One to two pounds of bacteria. (laughs) That's a lot of bacteria. Like I just kind of picture us as like, you know, walking around and we're like being controlled by (laughs) these like puppeteers in our gut. I can just imagine my germaphobe friends thinking about that and going, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. Be like, not only are they there, they're in charge. Yep. So one of the other things we talk about with our patients, and and I agree with you, and it's it's nice to know I'm not alone in kind of doing the peak and shriek when it comes to nutrition. I think that's the perfect way to put it because you're like, oh, gosh, like there's so much that goes into that conversation. And you, know, you want to make sure you're giving correct information, which can be challenging because it's rapidly changing, especially now. But one of the other things we we try to touch on with our patients are life stage requirements when it comes to nutrition. And we know that we base that on things like growth and metabolic rate. What are the other things we should keep in mind when we're making these life stage recommendations, kind of keeping that microbiome in mind? Yeah. I mean, if we think about, you know, the most susceptible populations to diseases, it's the very young and the very old, right? And so making sure that their gut microbiome is as healthy as we possibly can make it during those key phases is really going to play a good role in keeping them healthy. And, you know, all those nutrients too can affect your gut health as well. And so you're, you know, those bacteria need to eat stuff. And so having appropriate nutrition for them as well, such as like good prebiotic fibers so that they can maintain their own health is going to be important. And I just did the nutrition certification through Vetfolio and reminded myself all of the important things about prebiotic fibers and all of this. And it was really eye-opening to just have that reminder of how important nutrition is in overall health. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about when we're talking about different types of pathologies like IBS or even like skin allergies. So that, that's one area I've been really curious is what role the gut plays in some of our allergic patients. Yeah, there's definitely a key component there with that gut brain connection, because I will say myself and my colleagues report a very high incidence of our patients having inflammatory bowel syndrome or skin allergic disease and other autoimmune disorders. And part of that is we know anxiety can play a role in targeting the immune system, but if your microbiome is off and your gut health is abnormal and you're not, you don't have your normal uh, microbiota, then you are going to be more susceptible to such diseases. And I like even my dermatology colleague treat many dermatologic diseases by feeding probiotics. And so how important is that for everything else that we're seeing? Yes. Let's talk about that some more. That's a question I find myself with all the time is the role of probiotics in our patients. 
I tend to really like things like probiotics, fish oil, you know, anything that's kind of aiming to support gut health, reduce inflammation. But is there science behind what I'm doing there? Yeah, um, yeah there, there absolutely what, is. What does the science say? <laughs> absolutely. There, <laughs> there are so many papers out there, especially on the human side of um, using probiotics for different disorders, autism spectrum disorders in kids, certain cancers, that it's, it's really important that we use probiotics. And of course, there's, they're incredibly safe. And what owner doesn't want something that is potentially helpful, but also very safe, right? Many of my clients come in and they don't want medications. They don't want drugs, quote unquote, but they are all about the more natural stuff and probiotic is the easy way to go. And one of the interesting sort of recent, not discoveries, but sort of confirmation studies in dogs and cats recently has been the use of the bacteria bifidobacterium longum to actually treat anxiety. And so there's research now supporting the use of that particular bacteria for anxiety disorders in our companion animals. That's really, sorry. I just had to absorb that for a minute. I think this is <laughs> this is very interesting. So I do have I've, some some patients. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I've, I've rendered you speechless. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew I knew it was gonna happen, and it is because I have a couple of patients who I do have on long term probiotics, and these they belong to clients who say I want to do absolutely everything I can to work preventatively and keep my pet healthy, and. This came from a conversation with another practitioner who does a lot of research on some of the the more holistic therapies that are out there. And, and one of her recommendations was probiotics. But I have been really curious. I'm like, this is this is the right thing, right? That we're keeping them on the, these long-term probiotics. So I'm thrilled to hear about the science that supports it and saying that it can really help our patients. Absolutely. And my nurses and I were joking the other day that we're pretty sure just every patient that walks through the door should get a um, pack of probiotics and a hydrolyzed diet. And we'll just start there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to share with you just as an aside, my, my dog is on a high fish oil diet, but I got I, there was a mess up in the shipping. And so he got a hydrolyzed diet instead. And so I was feeding, I'm feeding that to him because it's, you know, I'm like, fine, you can have this. Yeah. He was, he was very confused last night. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what is this? I love it. My, my dogs love their hydrolyzed diet. They, they gobble it right up. I think they all want it. <laughs> uh, oh, he was all about it. He just, the first bite he took, he just looked at me a little cross-eyed and was like, what are you feeding me here? <laughs> this is not what I'm used to. Uh, all right. Anyway, back on back on topic here. We've talked a lot about the microbiome and Hills has a diet that actually has the word biome in the name. So is that kind of what we're talking about? How is that diet designed to affect the microbiome? Yeah. So that diet is really applied to our pets in order to sort of feed that microbiome that's there in the gut or the ones that we're giving them through probiotics. So it is going to be, it's essentially the food that our microbiome eats. So it's a blend of prebiotic fibers. And then the other thing that it does is it actually stimulates those gut bacteria to produce beneficial postbiotics. So things that can happen after the microbiome does its own work has, you know, some anti-inflammatory um, properties to it. So it's a really, really cool diet. And many of my patients have um, been benefited by this diet as part of their overall regimen. Can you remind me about postbiotics? I don't know that that's a term that I'm super familiar with. What are we talking about when we refer to postbiotics? 
Yeah, I wasn't either. So postbiotics, what those are, are basically what the microbiome produces themselves. So it's their own natural metabolism and they can have like an anti-inflammatory effect in the gut. So just by feeding those good bacteria, some good food for them, we're getting natural inflammation decrease in the gut health. It's great. So basically, it all just comes down to supporting this microbiome, this one to two pounds of bacteria that is in charge of so many things. Yeah. <laughs> so strange to think about. But I, like, I mean, so much of the data is supporting this. What is the best way to do that? We've talked about this microbiome diet. Are there other steps that we can take besides an appropriate diet, a probiotic supplement to really make sure we're supporting the, this in our patients. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, making sure that they uh, owners are aware that this research exists, that number one, there, you know, there's a lot of diets out there on the market for owners to kind of peruse the, the shelves for, and they don't know what they're looking for. Right. So if we can make sure that they know, you know, this is what we need. We need those prebiotic fibers. We need a probiotic supplement. We don't want to overuse antibiotics as well, because then we're killing all of those good gut bacteria. Right. Some people, just have those tabs of metronidazole on their shelf that they, you know, the moment the dog gets diarrhea, they just pop a metro into them. And, you know, what kind of harm are we doing? So I think education is key. Like that's our job as veterinarians is to educate our clients about the importance of all of this. And am I hearing you correctly that this really comes as like a prophylactic type of approach? I'm thinking about what we were talking about earlier when we talked about, you know, irritable or inflammatory bowel and allergies and these types of syndromes. Is it, I, I don't know if the data necessarily is there yet, but are we thinking that perhaps we may be able to prevent some of these issues by starting an appropriate diet and maybe a probiotic supplement and these types of things early in life? Absolutely. I think the data is, is very supportive of not only is this a treatment modality, but it's a prophylactic component as well. I have so many things that I'm so excited to <laughs> I know, go right? in. You're, you're helping with the peak and shriek, you know, you're empowering us with more information to have these conversations with our clients and make sure that, that our patients are, are taking an appropriate nutrition. Absolutely. Well, I understand that there's really some interesting research in the area of nutrition and behavior on the veterinary side and on the human side, studies that people might want to hear about. Can you tell us about some of it? Yeah. So when I was researching for my webinar, I did a pretty rabbit hole, deep dive into um, all the studies out there. And there's some really cool information out there. One of my favorites was that in one particular study, prisoners fed diets that were supplemented with vitamins, minerals, and fatty acids had lower incidences of violence. So how interesting is that, that we can actually decrease aggressive incidences, not only in humans, but potentially in our own patients. And then another one that I found really interesting and wish I'd have known sooner is that if you have high levels of tryptophan, it will decrease cortisol release during stressful math problems. So, you know, back in calculus and stats, I would have loved to have had that knowledge to myself. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, who didn't need a little support during stats for sure. And then in, yeah, I was um, this say calculus, I was good on, but stats and I <laughs> stats did not get terrible. along. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. It was the vein of my existence for my residency as well. I, I, I appreciate it. Oh gosh. Yeah. That was way more intense than my stats class. <laughs> to take. Yes. 
absolutely. So, and then I was really, really privileged this past year. I got to work with some students and a couple of microbiologists at George Mason University here in Fairfax, Virginia. And we took a lot of poop samples from a lot of dogs. I you know, thought going into behavior, I wouldn't have to deal with poop anymore, but <laughs> there I was. And what we found is actually dogs with anxiety had a different microbiome content than normal dogs. First of all, let me tell you how hard it was to try and find normal dogs for, for this. There are very In few a no, normal dogs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, believe me, I was asking neighbors and friends and family for dog poop. So, but we, it was really interesting research because there's, there was a previous paper that looked at aggression in a population of dogs. And they found the same thing that the dogs with aggression versus those without had different microbiome contents. Oh my goodness. So I'm imagining like future research focused on like feeding diets that promote the, the quote unquote normal microbiome that you found. Yeah. And even, you know, they're doing fecal transplants for, you know, patients and internal medicine practices. I mean, not that I really want to do a deeper dive into poop, but I mean, we might be doing fecal transplants in our behavior patients someday too. Oh my goodness. Well, Dr. Pike, I knew that when we had this talk, it was going to be full of just super interesting information. And it definitely is wide open for future research to learn more and more about this. Thank you so much for for all of this. And we we really look forward to your webinar. Any final thoughts you want to share with everybody? No, just get out there and um, have fun with your pets and your patients and make sure that you're educating your clients. It's really important. That was such a cool talk. Thank you so much, Dr. Pike, for joining me and talking about all of that fascinating information. If you liked that episode, don't forget to check out Dr. Pike's webinar coming out on Betfolio. I also want to say a big thank you to Chewy Health and to Hills for making this episode possible and to all of you for joining us. For more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Betfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this episode, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dbm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DBM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.